Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Our Thread, the podcast, bringing our content to you. I'm all it is, and I'm here with my weevils. Beware, Doc, Cap, and Savage. And today, we bring you episode 20, Forrest Gump vs. American History X. Two movies that have idiots as main characters. Now, Forrest Gump's best quality is that he is an idiot. The fact that he's slow protects him from the evil of the world because he still believes in love. And he learns from love. Whereas Derek in American History X is more than an idiot. He's a boy that turns into an evil man. He took a personal tragedy and turned it into a reason to be evil. While Forrest Gump took hate and turned it into love. Redemption only comes true in one of these films, while the other gives you a false hope. A fake feeling that everything can change and be okay when some things cannot. For true evil should not be forgotten and might never be forgiven. But before we get into this heavy matchup, let me give a special shout out to tonight's sponsor, Audible, the best platform for audiobooks and podcasts. Finding time to read a book can be hard, so take your books on the go. I recommend you go start a 30-day free trial today and download Forrest Gump, the book by Winston Groom. Download Audible and take your stories anywhere. Folks, it's time to get into that intro music by Beware, and then we'll start the discussion. Let's go. I love you. Forrest, you don't know what love is. I'm not going to debate you, Jerry. Okay. I'm not going to sit here and debate you. You're a bald-faced liar. A fucking liar. I mean, God forbid they should make a mistake and forget to steal. I will not apologize for what I want. Stop trying to control everything and just let go. I drink it up. Don't blame me. You like Huey Lewis on the news? Either they don't know, don't show, or don't care about what's going on in the hood. Hold on to your butts. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Our Thread Podcast. Bringing our content to you. Featuring all it is. Official old buddy. Who has been. Beware. From then on, he was known as Benny the Jet. Rodriguez. The Doc. You're the Doc, Doc. The Cap. If you already know the answer to your questions, then why ask? Big fuck. And myself, Savage. I'm 6'5", 220, and there's two of them. Homework's in. Let's begin. I got to give a shout out to Robert Zemeckis, uh, the writer of Back to the Future. Personal favorite. Definitely uh, Beware's personal favorite, too. But, right. um... And a, a writer and director of many other family favorites. And I thought going into Forrest Gump that it was a Robert Zemeckis written film because I could see so many things that are common in a lot of his films, but it's actually done by Eric Roth. Eric Roth, who's responsible for movies like Munich and Benjamin Button. What I realized watching this movie and part of it, uh, some more of it with Beware Another Night is that this movie, which I thoroughly enjoyed and really thought was great, is kind of a cheap shot. It hits all your movie sweet spots and it does it with a formula that Hollywood knows so well and that they're constantly trying to push out what would be a quote unquote blockbuster or a smash hit. And that's what Forrest Gump is. That being said, it deserves its flowers of all the other things it achieved while touching all of our movie sweet spots that we love. American History X touches some other spots and some emotions and basically kind of follows the same guideline without being a family film it is definitely an adult drama and it doesn't make you giggle or laugh in much than a few parts but there is a formula here and they're both important and they both work in movies did anybody else think that Forrest Gump was kind of uh, a cheap shot behind its greatness uh the doc is in yeah man I, so one of the first things I was going to say about Forrest Gump was it's kind of like it's cheap in that it's like this very obvious fiction movie, um, but trying to sew itself into real events to kind of make it seem more real than it actually is. And I wrote this down, and this is interesting. Uh, I wrote down like, it's a tall tale. Like it's a kind of tall tale of our time. Um, and I said, for example, like it reminded me of something like Big Fish or Benjamin Button. So it's crazy. I didn't know that Roth was the writer of Benjamin Button but it just makes sense that it's that type of movie. It's these kind of large stories that are kind of 
you know, stranger than kind of fiction, um, but trying to pass by as a reality. But yeah, I think in terms of kind of trying to, you know, talk about all the, the, the things that we've kind of learned in our movie uh, marathon that we've been watching on these movies, like we were talking, we've talked about this in multiple episodes of like how there's certain pieces of like, if you could make a perfect movie. And I definitely agree. I feel like Forrest Gump tries to do all those things that tries to check all those boxes. And I'm going to say this right now, and I don't want to get into it because I want to pass the mic. I remember watching it for the first time and being like, okay, it's definitely overhyped. But watching it again recently, like there's definitely moments that I kind of enjoyed. It, it was kind of like just like a cheap kind of like a candy almost. It was kind of there. I enjoyed it, but it was gone. But there's a lot that didn't age well. And a lot about this movie that I think deserves some criticism, but we can circle back around to that. For better or worse, it's maybe one of the most American movies ever made. And by American not necessarily because it, it deals with like civil rights and Vietnam and, you know, a lot of different things that were going on throughout the country. Maybe even before the movie was even out, you kind of knew if you had read the book, which I know a lot of people probably had read the book before the movie came out. You kind of knew, like, I would say probably at like peak Tom Hanks, um, you kind of thought that it was going to be this like big, huge movie considering it, it spans this, you know, great amount of time. And he it touches on all these different, you know, times and places. Um, it, it is, it is like I think, like Doc was saying, it is kind of like candy. It is like a like a pacifier. It's good. It's a good movie. It's not, um, it's not a bad movie by by any stretch of the imagination. But it was maybe the most hype movie I can ever remember. There, everything in pop culture, the years following, referenced it. The the I've never heard of a movie coming out with a double album soundtrack. That that's like that's I don't really know if that's ever happened before. There's, so there's so much to it. And Sally Field, peak Sally Field. I enjoyed it way more than I thought I would watching it more recently. I remember watching it when it first came out and thinking, oh, that was, that was good. You know, I, I like that. I think everybody's spot on. I love the candy call from Doc. That's that's pretty much what it is. I feel like to to kind of show a sense of appreciation for that candy movie. I feel these days more often than not, I am so busy and just don't have a lot of time to truly dig into certain like movies that require a little bit more brain power, a little bit more thought, just casually, not, not regarding this podcast, but just in general, when I'm looking at, you know, flipping through Netflix, trying to find a movie. And I feel like that candy type of movie is something that's more appealing to me than ever in that regard. I definitely can see why it would have such mass appeal and they obviously checked all the boxes. You know, he's, he's got a disability. He it limits the um, limits, how much he truly has to act like, yeah, he nails certain parts, but ultimately it's dialed into a certain, it's, it's so refined. He really does not have to, to show a wide range of emotion. His, his supporting cast is excellent. The whole cast is excellent. So, and it's stacked with veteran actors. The soundtrack is super cliche. Like it's great, but all those songs are extremely cliche. But again, candy, it just, it, it, it hits a certain sweet spot and into the mass, mass public. That's, that's what's needed. It's 94 seven, you know, that's a local, local rub here, but um, you know, they only have 40 songs on 94 seven and that they never change and people always come back. That's a metaphor to me for this kind of movie, uh, let alone the soundtrack. I could keep going down this path. I think we'll probably hit some of the boxes as we keep going on. I also enjoyed it. I thought that the ending, I did not want to watch this movie. I was not looking forward to watching this movie. And I realized when I was watching the end of it, I think it's because the ending of this movie is so overly sad. Like I kind of for, like blocked out how like, gut-wrenching the last 20 minutes of this movie are and when I got to him and I got through him you know it was tough and then like I kind of I realized like man maybe that's why I didn't want to go back to the movie not because of all the kitschy stuff but because Jesus man it just puts you through the ringer so um you know that on top of some of the 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 exclamation points throughout the movie kind of definitely leave an impact on you uh for better or worse yeah so Forrest Gump this is an example of a movie, and I was thinking of this when I watched it. It's like, yeah, it's using every like cheap trick in the book to try to stir up emotion from you. It's a movie, an example of a movie that does this well. It's kind of like a child's history of U.S. history, almost. 
Cap, can I, I ask you a question um, about American History X? I know we mentioned last week when we knew that we we're going to be uh, doing homework on that, that it was one of your favorite movies in high school. I think, you know, we all in, enjoyed it like kind of more as uh, as high schoolers. Can you talk about that a little bit, Cap? I thought about that, too. That, that movie is super tough to watch. But I think that back then it was kind of like this uh, this movie that was Ed Norton's at the height of his like acting. You know, he had he had Fight Club and he had Rounders. People were just kind of like in his corner. And I think that that's part of the reason why the movie got, you know, he's he's this character that put on 30 pounds of muscle to, to be a skinhead. So it's like intriguing to see that. But yeah, I mean, this movie was good. You know, and it was definitely like super original. What I was talking about in the beginning and hitting all your uh, sweet spots or your soft spots for movies that get your touch your emotions. And I think um, American History X did that very much so when we were uh, teenagers because it was like, wow, shocking and stuff. But even as adults and, and um, you know, people that appreciate film much more and understand it much more, it still does that. It's got some powerful acting and some powerful scenes in it, for sure. Like, definitely some of the most memorable shit, like, in in any movie ever. It leaves its mark on you. I'll I'll say that. There's a certain scene that I still, I can't watch it. But, you know, even though I leave the room, I, I still can hear it. So it's, like, that powerful to me. That kind of weight of, like, I have to leave the room for a scene of a movie is like pretty, pretty big deal. Cause I feel like I can stomach a lot, but that's too, it's too much. I feel like that scene might, it might as well be the entire movie. I semi agree with that. Yeah. I don't know why it was more difficult to watch or why it is more difficult to watch, but because it's still relevant it's, because when we were 18 years old, we had limited perspective and we appreciated the fact that, wow, somebody can change. This guy can can grow up and have a, a better point of view. And at face value, we appreciated that on top of the Edward Norton factor because he was definitely like the peak actor at that point in our lives, no question. But now, 20 years later, no wonder it, it has way more impact beyond just that obvious storytelling you know, piece. We've seen 20 years of crazy shit and you can actually see and feel you know, very secondhand on our part, how much that shit is, is uh, twisted and fucked. I think that that like that whole, that whole scene being represented back then almost seems so far removed from our world that it was like totally fiction or something. But that's, that shit is what, that shit is rampant out there. And it's out there. What's crazy is like, when we maybe saw this 20 years ago, which is crazy that this movie came out 20 years ago, this was maybe probably similar to maybe the first time we saw Boys in the Hood. It was such a different world and like we couldn't imagine. Now fucking American History X is happening around the fucking corner. It's in the next city, you know, it's in the next county in multiple counties. And this is a reality now and it's insane. And if, uh, if, if we're gonna go with the, if Forrest Gump was candy, American History X is like fucking peppered beef jerky. You know, it's some, black licorice. Yeah, black licorice. It's the fucking Tide pods. Tide pods. Worst candy ever. Candy you won't eat. <laughs> but it's fucking. You got to chew on it, and you got to grin and bear it, literally. And fucking, it's. But it's worth chewing on. There's something there to to extract from it. It belongs on the list, man. It's sure. it's one of the great. Tell you what, I don't I don't get I don't get excited for for Ed Ed Norton like I used to. He's well, that movie fucked him up, man. He he literally talks about how that movie really it made an impact on him. Like we know a lot of actors suffer from that condition and why he stopped doing movies is basically because he kind of knew how he was. He had to take control of a movie and he is very invested. And that's uh, the story behind American History X is that he actually ended up writing half the script after he read the script and after he started acting in the movie. And he's done that with other films and had input, but I guess he's really dominated that script. But in the end, um, Edward Norton ended up taking full control and the director walked away kind of. But in the end, they everybody knew and even the director knew that Edward Norton kind of did his thing. And it was, he really, what he inserted in made it more important. It made it more thorough. It made it more believable and more impactful. So 
I think he just kind of discovered that his acting chops were limited to like don't know shit about chop. how he would end up being as a person, kind of like a Heath Ledger, like really taken in by roles and really, you know, sucking out part of his personality, if you will. It's a powerful thing, man. We're we're still talking about depth of smoochie, right? You guys are saying, <laughs> oh, <laughs> America's history. He stopped acts. doing. Oh, he stopped okay, doing never mind. Because of this, or he stopped. There, that is that is said and discussed. Uh, and I mean, there's interviews I mean, out there. Where he he, did, talks he about definitely it. didn't stop doing movies for a little bit of time. He just stopped um, being the best actor there was, and that's he bowed he out a little bit. Stop, he did stop making movies for a while, though. Like the last yeah. movie, he was he was on a hot streak. Then he was kind of spotty. Like he did Twenty Fifth Hour not too long after this, and then he did the Hulk movie. And then I swear he didn't do movies for like ten years easily. Until this year when he came back and just did uh wrote and directed one, I think. Um, but he definitely fell off. And I think it's to Pat's point. I think I think he literally is Bruce Banner. So his acting debut only started in 94, which is kind of crazy. 94, 96, Primal Fear, uh, People versus Larry Fint, uh, and then American History X, and then Rounders, then Fight Club, then The Score, then Death to Smoochie, then Italian Frida. Job. He is in a heck of a lot of movies, to Cap's point, but rarely is he a lead in any of these movies. He's in a lot of great movies. Moonrise Kingdom, I forget he's even in, but like he was he used to be the lead in every movie he was in almost. And that's just stopped being the case, it seems. And I wonder if that's obviously by design, too. And like looking, I didn't yeah. say this, but looking at within the past five years, maybe 10 years, the most the roles they're showing were like he was in fucking sausage club as a voice he was in the simpsons he was on yeah. saturday night live where are the majority of his things now so he's kind of just choosing to do kind of fun things and then you'll see the wes anderson movie kind of sprinkled in there less or, challenging uh, projects to, yeah. we, less, we haven't uh, seen the ending of it and then another another uh wes anderson movie on the coming out like next Dispatch, year right yeah. you know he is is and was one of the greats uh i think we'll see him stay relevant for a long time and let's talk about uh good actors and favorite characters moving into characters coming first i mean i gotta say forrest gump that's my favorite character and i want to talk about why um because tom hanks is something that we all grew up on big we loved him we're ready for any movie he was going to do we all knew he was a good actor and um, we, like you said, this movie was super, super hyped. But um, what I noticed watching this movie for, you know, whatever, the fourth or fifth time, but under this lens is that this man has chops. Don't safe. worry about and safe. he brings it out. And the acting chops come out. And I'm kind of going to be talking about my favorite scenes too, and I'll just clump them together. You can see the acting chops twice in For Forrest Gump for the most part, if you look real carefully. You don't even have to look that carefully. And one is when he's um, meeting his son for the first time and, you know, he gets off the bench and goes and sees Jenny and he sees his son and he, he just wants to know if the kids like him, you know, and is he is he is he smart, basically. And if you look, man, he is chopped. He is acting his ass off right there. And then that is followed up so sh quickly afterwards with the tragic, you know, tragedy. Jenny passes away. And when he stands on top of her gravesite, uh, Beware said that was the, a hard thing to watch and over hard. The only reason it, it's harder to watch or they overdid it is because Tom Hanks brought his master chops to that. Don't worry about and he doesn't have to say much, just him confessing how he misses her and talking to her. It's really some of the best acting I've seen I, in these movies we watched so far. I'd argue the writing is also excellent. It's not just him. The writing on some of those scenes is so like spot on and really well written for his character. Yes, he delivers it well, but also oh, everything is perfectly built up. It's not like it's the writing per se, like the dialogue, which the dialogue obviously, and we'll get the quotables in a second, but it's almost like what you're saying, Beware, I think is like, they take this character and just drop him into the, yeah. these perfectly built up situations and allow him to respond to what's the character all the different characters and what's happening and the context and i went on the roller coaster in this movie we so all what's, what's interesting about that i read this book and the book has so many changes from the movie first of all jenny doesn't die in the end they get married they have a kid what the book had in it that the movie didn't was so crazy how much they took out of it but anything eric roth took out of the book 
and put into the movie, he put it of equal or greater value. And there's so many different things like running is not a part of the book. We don't have um, the war is most definitely a part of the, the movie and stuff, but he does so many more exotic things in the book to kind of play to this story that Eric Roth was a genius with the way he took the screenplay and, and, and made it work because he, he put the formula of film and took it, you know, from a great bestseller book. And it was really crazy to see all the emotional stuff that was in the movie pretty much not be in the book kind of. Uh, the book's a little softer and a little bit more fun and, and free moving, but very interesting to see that that's all the work of the writer, director, the whole team behind that uh, adapted screenplay. I think the thing that I appreciated most about, about Forrest Gump was the theme of like, Forrest Gump is, and I think they, they say he was kind of born into wealth. I think they, that's why he kind of like lived on that plantation home. Wasn't he like the, didn't it say like his, he was the grandson of like a KKK mask grandmaster or yeah. something like that? Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We'll get and, back and in the that. movie, they kind of don't explain and that well. Him. In the book, that's a little bit more like the, his mom's reasoning for that is more like redemption. And they kind of took that out of the, He says to remind us how foolish we can be or something exactly, like that. Exactly, yes. And to, to not be stupid. Stupid is a stupid does. Yeah. But basically it's this character who he's born into this life He's a white male. He's got, no, no, doesn't have money concerns. And he's, you know, what they call like an idiot savant or whatever. But like he basically cruises through life. Yeah, you might say he was, you know, there were struggles there, but he didn't perceive them as struggles. And he kind of just kept chugging along and, you know, became a war hero, became wealthy, uh, became a ping pong champ or whatever. So what I like about that is this character kind of going through life that way and telling it the story through his perspective. But then the contrast to that is Jenny's character, who everything in her life is such a challenge. Like she's struggling to survive. She isn't born into a good home. She is trying to get away. She's trying so hard to, you know, build relationships, build connections, be successful. You know, like all these things are failing and are such effort, so effortful for her. And so I liked that contrast. I, I that was the, I think what I like the most about gum. That's a tough point, man. I love that contrast. I love the contrast too, from a storytelling perspective, but as somebody who actively tries to pursue a, a good amount of things and works hard for them, that's tough. That's tough. It's a like tough the contrast beat. as a character itself. <laughs> so doc, uh, who's your favorite character from these films? I'm actually going to go with Dr. Uh, Sweeney, the principal. Yes, um, right on. Loved him, man. Loved his character. Loved his role in both of the Vin Vineyard Vineyard Brothers' lives. Reminded me of Furious Styles, kind of this. He's got this wisdom. He's got this kind of education piece to him, but he's also this kind of no nonsense, no bullshit. I'm gonna shoot you straight kind of guy. But it's also like you know he could he could and should dislike this family and and try to bury them, you know, and the fact that he's there actually extending an, a hand and trying to help them and help educate them and help them see, I don't know, I, I really liked that perspective. And I liked how that character portrays that of like, even if somebody hates you, that's not a reason to hate back. It's a reason to educate. It's a reason to drop knowledge. It's a reason to help them understand and reach the point where they realize that they maybe are in the wrong or that they are seeing things differently. Because you're not going to teach somebody if you meet that hate with hate you're not going to be able to influence you're not going to be able to teach you're not going to be able to educate and so i liked how he kind of uh portrayed that um, in this movie really the only good character in that movie like good good-hearted everybody else in that movie has a little bit of uh hate in them and that's that's very interesting i think that's a fantastic pick savage uh do you have a favorite character from these films yeah before before we go on, do you guys know what um generation uh, Forrest Gump belongs to it's, uh, Gen A Savage <laughs> that work uh, anyway um, my uh, favorite character it's got to be Lieutenant Dan he, he's such a fiery sergeant or whatever the hell you know lieutenant obviously <laughs> what did I say he's obviously a <laughs> savage <laughs> he's, a, he's a fiery lieutenant he's, he, he lives the rest of the movie uh, after he loses his legs, kind of being very resentful of uh, Forrest 
even so much when they're in the infirmary. Um, he's like facing away from him as like Forrest is like showing off his his ping pong prowess. Um, he's like purposefully is facing the opposite direction. I like when he puts the ice cream cone in the in his <laughs> toilet. Ice cream. He puts yeah, he puts it in his bedpan. Bedpan, um, yeah. That that got me really good. Um, and then just how like he had, they end up being buddies, and he ends up being his first mate on the Bubblegum Shrimp Company. Um, very, very uh, guy. The guy love at the end at the wedding. That's that's oh, yeah. some pure guy love right oh, there. Yeah. Uh, he's a little more spiritual in the book. Um, you you're invested more in how like he's a good person, but the movie kind of made him more raw, and I like that. I think that was a good adjustment. Mm-hmm. I think it was a good move for for that. So yeah, Lieutenant Dan, my favorite sergeant from both movies. For some reason, my favorite character isn't popping out as much as my least favorite character which is uh jenny she is the worst she exactly what i was gonna do basically if you look at jenny on paper her track record with forest sucks you know they're they're whatever at as kids but as adults you know she gives them some good advice she tells them to run when he's in trouble which i think is sound advice but what uh, what she ultimately does uh, throughout the years she just keeps continuously like sort of rejecting him romantically but like coming back into his life during these periods in time just kind of being a mess and that's understandable considering her childhood but what she ultimately does is crazy because she sleeps with him and then she just leaves and then he's so heartbroken that he has to go clear his head for three years by running all over the country. Oh, I'm dizzy. But that never happened in home, Mac. Yeah. So, so and then and then basically she's just has this kid and raises him for three years and then just gets sick and dumps a kid in his lap and just dies. Savage. I'm gonna take the same angle and I'm not even gonna get into detail. The the Derek's girlfriend in American History X is the fucking worst. He's second worst. I love this. Second worst in movie history behind Jenny. And and then like- Hey, what about her face at dinner? No, her face- Things are heating up and her eyes bulge out of her head because she's excited. She she, she just throws gas on things and likes to watch it burn. And she's just the fucking worst. And I hate her and she's ugly. And I hope she is in no more movies because I don't want to watch them. Beware. I love worst characters. uh, Characters just leveled up. Wasn't she Bobby Boucher's girlfriend? And uh, And I hated her in that. I wonder why. She's in that. (laughs) She's like a witch in other movies. She plays that part. Waterboy? Yeah. 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 She's a witch in um yeah, she's a witch the in craft. something. You're right. The craft. That's what should... it is. Yeah, you're right. She's, she's pretty fucking hateable up. in that movie for sure. That's great. We had three favorite characters and two worst characters for characters tonight. That is uh absolutely excellent. Uh I just want to say really quick on our thread in in our text thread, we used uh we always when we see a doppelganger, we we put it through the thread and immediately people know. Does anybody know? Did anybody see a doppelganger? Maybe not. Maybe not, folks, because a lot of my friends here didn't know me when I was a kid, but I got a kid doppelganger out there. And uh, Forrest Gump Jr. is pretty much what I looked like as a kid. So we're just going to put that out there. Um, Love that. And shout out to that actor, that kid. He did a great job. Yeah, Um, he's great. And the savage scene is when he gets hit in the head with a stone and he doesn't move. I can't help but crack up. And then going into quotables, one of my, honestly, I was crying watching this. I watched, I did my homework very quickly after the podcast and like the next day. And after Forrest Gump's getting hit with rocks and he isn't moving and then they do the time lapse and he grows up. Um, my favorite quote is so good. And I'm going to just put it in, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. Now you, you wouldn't believe, believe it if I told you. But I can run like the wind blows. I'm as fast as the wind blows. <laughs> And I just butchered that. So pause. Is Expressions. My favorite ever. I love it. That literally had me in tears. That boy show is a running fool. <laughs> let's ch- let's uh, quote it around here, boys, uh, before we get into scenes, because we're in some quotables. We're going to go in reverse. When Jenny's boyfriend, they're at the, I think they're at the, is it Abby Hoffman? Is that who that, that speaker is supposed to be at yeah. the Washington Monument? They're, um, 
when Forrest shows up and and Wesley, um, Jenny's boyfriend at the time, goes, "Who's the baby killer?" <laughs> when he's dressed up in all of his army regalia. I like that. Uh, I got one from American History X. Um... Are you still here, Goodyear? You call me blimp, a blimp, you fucking, fucking Democrat. Democrat. <laughs> when was the last time you were actually able to see your feet? In American History X, I think the best quote is the very ending where he, Danny says, hate is baggage, life's too short to be pissed off all the time, it's just not worth it. I think that's pretty pretty on point. How about when uh, Lieutenant Dan is sitting on the top of the, um, I don't know, the mats of the boat, I guess, and they're in the middle of the worst storm ever. And he says, you call this a storm, you son of a bitch. It's time for a showdown. I will never sink this boat. I love that. I love that whole mentality, <laughs> that quote, that scene, everything about that. You know, it is maniacal laugh. Get me, nothing's gonna. I love when my thread members do the quote so well that I don't have to put in the chop uh, and cut it in. I love it. That's my favorite. Uh, one for Forrest Gump that's just, you know, so... Why are you so good to me? Why are you so good to me? You're my girl. I'll, I'll always be your girl. girl. What there's about? Also, there's also um, uh, life is like a box of chocolates. You'll never know. <laughs> you never know what you're gonna get. When Derek says that in American History Act, it's so <laughs> crazy. Yeah. So one of my favorite scenes in uh, Forrest Gump is when he sees uh, Lieutenant Dan for the first time. But my favorite part is how excited he gets. And he lets off this, he lets out this fantastic, like, laugh or, or yell. And, but he loses track of what's going on and he just runs off the boat, you know? And you see the whole interaction, stuff like that, and you see the boat. You know? But I love that, because that was super gen, he was super excited, and so that was a nice kind of reunion. That's another uh, great insert by Eric Roth, man. He really just hits you with the cinema tricks, man. Hey, Doc, did you have uh, another scene you wanted to hit on? So I'm going to take one that people probably won't say. But the fact in with, with uh, Derek Vineyard, when he's in prison and he befriends the, the guy in the laundry room, and the scene where he realizes the dude's in there because he stole a TV. And he dropped the TV on the cop's foot, and they said it was assault, whatever. And Derek's like, bullshit. Like, come on, what, what really happened? And he's like, no, man, like, that's what happened. Where you see Derek start to realize like, oh, shit, there is a difference. And there is this disproportionate or, you know, systemic kind of racism that's happening. And um, I thought that was a really profound moment for the character of Derek to where you start to see his kind of character arc shift a little bit kind of i'd have to say doc kind of a cheap shot in the american history x fashion though like they have to they can't have so much back story and dialogue so it worked well but it's kind of like oh that's your turning point that's why i kind of i never felt like you have to give it to derek for being a good person i don't think he ever got there he's trying to be but he's like catching up to something that he can't catch up to and although he did get some perspective he's just kind of still a fucking idiot and like to that point, like, oh, you can't see the obvious things. You were obviously educated. They talk about how he, you know, got, had great grades and was very well educated just to not understand. And that is a great perspective though, that some people can be educated and not understand certain stuff, but it is, I, I, I guess I, I'm saying it's a good cheap shot. It, it yeah, hits your movie sweet spot. Yeah. I, I, what I like that they did is that, like you said, he's a smart kid. He's, but his experiences that he's had with his, you know, his dad influencing him and then his, and then his dad, you know, dying at the hand of, you know, a, I think it was a drug dealer or something like that. Yeah. Father son relationship too, but where that, it's like, like oh, effect, all and his limited experience, but then going and gaining more diverse experiences and learning more about the world have then kind of opens up his understanding and influences him. So I get that you're right. Like that one instance, completely changed him like and so I, I get that that's probably not likely but I liked what they and, were trying to do with that and beware kind of drew attention to the dinner table scene let alone the black and white uh scenes that we see in the movie are really great but that dinner table scene I don't want to take somebody's favorite but it can be uh we can shine light on it that it was like wow that is where like you get a bunch of packed up you know dinner table political talk and 
and it's it's kind of gross and it's quick and and you want to debate on top of it and that's a that's a pretty pretty crazy it is scene gross right that scene is gross i was gonna i was gonna say that it was my least favorite scene to watch um however well acted but like the fact that he just grabs his like gets upset enough to grab his sister and then stuff meat into her face oh, i hated that i would like never forgive you <laughs> for that but you can see like what, how like powerful of a leader of his family is, is that all he has to do is sort of sweet talk her and apologize. And she's kind of like, you know, she loves him. And she hates to see, think that her character is interesting because she so hates to see her family <clears throat> go down this route of thought, you know, with, from Derek to her, her little brother, but it's like she's almost used to their language and how that is around their house. Yeah, they all conform. Uh, beware, what is your favorite scene from these two movies? Is when Forrest is running and they're having the music montage of the 70s, like kind of um, yacht rock songs, Running on Empty, uh, Doobies, Keeps You Running, Fleetwood Mac, Go Your Own Way. It's just... Um, I don't know the the music along with the the part of the story are turning a corner you can kind of feel it and it's a little more upbeat it just it stood out to me amongst all of the other scenes in the movie that felt that where the music felt a little forced and even these movies they're so literal running on empty keeps you running but like musically it felt like they've uh I don't know I don't know I just I like that scene a lot and it's it's a poignant moment I like how you talk about it as like a turning point because it is, it's like a point where he takes control. He doesn't know what to control or how to control. Yeah. He just run and sort things out. And it makes sense like, well, we're seeing all these kind of crazy things that he can do physically. So, and he can run. So it makes sense that he can do this. And it also makes sense like to clear his head. Like he's not as quick a thinker as other people. So he kind of just needs to keep running until he figures it out. And it takes him a little longer. And, and so it makes sense but it's a it's a it's a definitely like a bridge between um, chapters, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah, I like that. You're right. It is it is kind of a control thing. He actually gains control of his own destiny at that point and kind of irons himself out and points himself in the right direction and is ready to go home and kind of settle into the the last phase. He doesn't have to uh, be part of history ten times over again. He can just kind of do his own thing and write his own history. Uh, love that. Savage, what was your favorite scene out of these two movies? I, I the one that Doc mentioned, I really liked a lot. Um, I was more <laughs> I was more uh, irritated that I hadn't thought of that scene as being one of my favorites. Forrest's wave is probably one of my favorite motions. If we were to do like favorite motions of both movies, but I, I love this new category. Part where where um, the part where Forrest meets his son, that part is perfect, and that's all I have to say. I love that. Yeah, that's chops great chops cap uh favorite scene um yeah i think the most satisfying scene for me to watch in maybe any movie um is to watch forrest bust out of his leg braces and and then burn rubber i think that is um sort of a defining moment of the movie because he's got to walk around in these sort of devastating um, clunky leg braces all the time and he finally busts out of them. They just keep saying that he's, it's going to make his back straight as an arrow so I just... I just feel like it kind of set the tone for him physically because um, he grows up to be exceptionally strong and fast and coordinated um, in ways that like um, excel him to certain points in his life. I did just read this book and I really enjoyed it. I think it was crazy as I'm reading these adapted screenplay books, how different this book was, but it's still, they both held their own. You know, everybody always says the book was better. The movie was better. This was like, the movie was better than the book, but it's crazy what they did to make it solid for what it was. But um. 
on the front of that book, it says the winner of Academy, Academy Award winner. And it might have a number on there. I, I don't recall. I almost didn't want to see it because I usually don't know at this point in the night what movie has won awards. But my prediction is it won Best Picture. I probably know that from staring at the book subconsciously. But I got to guess for a scene we didn't mention in many other scenes, one of the best war scenes in a movie for how quick it is, man, it really was. I think the special effects were superb. The explosions, even the black and white shots where he's in the TV with the presidents and John Lennon and all this stuff. I'm guessing that special effects was very, very, it was very special at that time, if you will, like first of its kind. And that's another reason it made Forrest Gump a great film because of special effects. So let's go to the doc for awards. All right, so Academy Awards, 1995, Forrest Gump. How many nominations do you guys think this movie got? 30. 30. 14. I, I'm saying seven. Nine. Nine. One. 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 We got one. We got 30. Nine. We got nine. And what'd you say, Pat, or all it is? Seven. Seven. Is it somewhere so, between one and 30? So Cap... It's actually just right halfway between. Cap, you were closest when you said 14. It had 13 nominations. Wow. That's wow. insane. Insane. 13 nominations. Let me read them. Best music, original score, Alvin Silvestri. Best makeup, best effects, sound effects. Um, best sound, best art direction, best cinematography. Best actor in supporting role, Gary Sinise. Best effects, visual effects. Best film editing, best writing, screenplay based on a material, uh, best director, best actor in a lead role, and best picture. And it won six. Big winner. Uh, wow. One for best picture, best actor in leading role, Hanks. Uh, best director, Zemeckis. Best uh, writing, Eric Roth. Best editing, uh, Arthur Schmidt. And best uh, effects, visual effects, like you said. Yeah, I called it. Um, now is that the award that, what did we call that? Like the trifecta? I know it's not that. Oh, you get no, like because five. there was no, um, it had best picture, best director, best actor, but it didn't have best supporting. Uh, well, no, it didn't have best actress. I think was the other one. Right? Oh, oh, all right, right, right. If I remember correctly. Can I just point out that Alan Silvestri who did the music is also who did the music with Zemeckis and back to the future. So like, that's the deadly duo. I love it. Oh, I have to say one thing. Did anybody here, I know beware. I pointed it out to him. Did you see the back to the future cameo in the movie Forrest Gump? Which one? There was two of them. Oh, wow. Okay. I'll say the first one. The obvious is that there's the car Jenny's in it. She's getting a little, the guy's getting a little handsy with her and Gump's, and then it's in the school parking lot. He comes out and he fucking knocks the guy out like fucking George McFly in a similar car in a similar school scenario with a similar shot, of course, by Robert Zemeckis. But I didn't see the other one, folks. I'm excited. What is that? Hey, where Gump is sitting on the park bench when they pan out, it's the fucking <gasps> the, the courtyard of the oh, clock tower. It's the same stage that they did. That, wow. That's not it. That's so not there's three, folks. Beware. The third wow. one is when they're in New York and they're crossing over like what looks like Times Square and Lieutenant Dan almost gets hit by a car and he goes, I'm walking here. I'm walking <laughs> here. Oh, <laughs> oh, I, 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 I was thinking um, the, the, oh, yeah. the, the Forrest Gump uh, Cortez's with the red, white, and blue and then versus the Air yeah. Oh, yeah. Great call. Oh, man. This is uh, the, the movie level up is hey, on IMDb scale. It just went up like a two two points for sure, not two uh, half points. Yikes! Well, so American History X, nineteen ninety nine, so just four years later, only one nominee, no winners. But what do you guys think was nominated? Best picture. Best picture. Yeah. Best, not best picture. Best actor. Best actor. Oh uh, yeah, actor. Best okay, actor. right on, right yep. on. Didn't win, so who did he uh, lose to? Let's see. Let me pull that up. This is ninety nine, so I think this is American Beauty years. Gotta read. Let's call it, folks, if you can. I can't think like that. 99. Just, I'd say Will Smith. That's Ooh, random, this is though. Weird. This is a weird year. What? Adrian Brody, piano. Keanu Reeves. Pianist. Okay, I'll tell you the, well, I'll tell you the movies, and you'll, you'll figure it out. So th these are the movies that kind of caught me off guard. Uh, Gods and Monsters, Ian McKellen. Affliction, Nick Nolte. Uh, Tom, Tom Hanks, Saving Private Ryan. 
Okay. Coming up soon, folks. Uh, Roberto, Roberto Benini, Life is Beautiful. Oh, he won for Life is Beautiful, right? Yeah. Roberto Benini won. Yeah. Wow, that is right. I love America. 99. Yeah. 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 He, he, he okay. was a that year. Edward Norton, we love you. Uh, if you're on a few, you're on a couple. Quit acting completely for 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> we had a doc. All right, folks, we're going to vote. But Forrest Gump, I loved it. I, 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 I think it's going to, I watch it for the rest of my life here and there. Um, I might have say be saying farewell to American History X other than in recommendations and uh, kind of having to go through the greatest movies with somebody else, maybe my kid in the future. But uh, Forrest Gump, I think it touches my sweet spots. And like Beware said, I, I like movies like that too, that you can just kind of kick your feet up and just, you know, enjoy. And I shed tears to that movie. I laughed. Um, I really enjoyed it. Uh, who's ready to vote? Savage. Yeah, uh, you nailed it with uh, uh, a movie that I'd watch with my kids for sure. Um, I would have to say Forrest Gump. Maybe for multiple reasons, but I, but I think that that movie will probably hold up. I think it's one of those like movies that you would see like the initial imprint being somewhere at like the Smithsonian or something history like story. That. It's an alternative right. history story, but there's history in it. All those. All right. this stuff is accurate. Do we know the name of the guy that's uh who's the guy that dressed in the American flag and you know was preaching? I never could recall who oh, that I, was. That, I, th I think that's Abby Hoffman. Okay, makes I think a lot it was of sense. The, the I think he was the steal this book guy. I we didn't say all the cameos: John Lennon, um, Elvis Presley. Elvis Presley, yeah, doing the moves. Um, I forgot about that. Bob Dylan. Only Jenny Dylan is Bob Dylan in that. Uh. Let's just let's just stop it there because we're never. <laughs> Right. Doc, Doc. <laughs> yeah, so I, I do love all the Gump love. Um, and I think that there's a lot to enjoy about it. But <clears throat> I'm actually going to be kind of the negative Nance. And I, I, so some of the things, I, maybe I was just in a, not in a, the best mood. I mean, I did enjoy it. There were some scenes that were super gen and that I enjoyed the overall watching. But as a movie, I just don't feel like if this movie got came out today, I just don't feel like it would get well received. Um, there's a couple th big themes that I picked up on that really just kind of left me like a bad taste in my mouth. So I already kind of told the whole thing about like this, <laughs> like this know nothing kind of white dude who is just skimming his way through life, you know, and, and becoming wealthy and becoming a war hero. And I don't know, I just, I didn't like that aspect of it. And then the, I feel like, I appreciate how they tried to incorporate historical events and like there was something neat about that and like I did love the Elvis scene like that was of all the flashbacks and like how he his path transcended kind of reality and like how it had an impact like that the Elvis scene doing the dance with the braces I, I did like that but overall it does kind of whitewash and dumb down kind of like American history and talking about you know the war and the political activism and human rights it kind of just dumbs down all that and I Again, you know, history, I think in general, if you pick up like your kids, you know, history book, it kind of does the same thing. So whatever. But the thing that I disliked the most was like, I felt like there were themes of they, they glamorized like this civil like obedience um, and they kind of villainized like rebellion. So like military was glamorized. Um, the, uh, you know, my mama always said kind of following the rules was glamorized. Um, not that those are that you, they shouldn't be, but then the contrast to that was the hippies, the Black Panthers, um, the political activism were kind of cast in this kind of negative shade, and I just I didn't like that. I didn't like that that was a a theme that potentially is not in your face, but as you're watching, you might be like, you know, and I don't know if I want my kids to see that. Really good point. Yeah. Really good point. The funny thing is, I don't want to throw any shade on it. Now we're going to toss it to Beware next, but I've heard the same thing about Back to the Future, that um, the way they treat history is is not fair, and that it does have some racism tied up in it and some unfairness to to stereotypes and stuff like that. But we love it so much. So, like I said, it's hitting all your movie sweet spots now is knowing what the greatest movie of all time in your opinion is it hitting all your sweet spots or is it more like no it's it's a it's it has to be perfect yeah. and i appreciate what the doc's saying because i think that is great criticism of that movie so on the other end i i feel like you're right like 
Forrest Gump does check a lot of the boxes. It is enjoyable to watch. Um, there are parts of it, but I did have a hard time with that. And I think that as I'm getting older and as I'm, when I'm looking at these two movies kind of contrasting one another, although American History X, I'll be honest, it, it wasn't as Im impactful or didn't have, wasn't as, um, as great as I wanted it to be, if that makes sense. I still feel like we kind of have a responsibility to like shine light on it and, and recognize like they kind of do a nice analysis of why people go that route. And they kind of do a nice analysis of people that realize that this isn't the way. And they kind of do a nice way of kind of how you interact with those people and how you defend against that. And, and they kind of do a nice analysis and demonstration of like why you don't want to go that way. And I feel like that is so relevant right now. And I feel like that story and those points need to be heard. Although like I know, I suspect that this, you know, the vote might be leaning one way. And, you know, maybe if you caught me next week, you know, and asked me Forrest Gump over American History X, I might choose, you know, another one. But I think this week I'm going to have to go with American History X as something that belongs on our list that I think is very topical, very relevant. Um, yeah. X. Very, 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 very good points. And yeah, it's let's not take away from the greatness. Uh, beware. I honestly don't really like either one of these movies. I don't think either one of them, it, like when we're talking about some of the movies on this list that we've put on a pedestal and some of the movies that I consistently go back to, neither one of these are even touching those movies, in my opinion. They've got like the they've got the cachet associated with them, especially Forrest Gump, obviously. And again, I can see why it has mass appeal back to my original point at the beginning, but like to, to Doc's point, it's just like, it's, it's too overkill and it's, it's too cheap. And when you, and I didn't even consider the point that you brought up, but you're really right. It pushes certain agendas and it, and it prevents. And I, you heard me getting bummed out middle of the movie. You're pushing Jenny as this worst person ever, but honestly, all she's trying to do is things that are off the beaten path. God forbid you don't want to fucking just join the military and just give up on, on your dreams. God forbid. And like, when you put it like that, it really does deter me from liking the movie that much more because man i hate jenny and they made me hate jenny and I'll, ultimately i'm jenny which is fucked um i'm not a skank but either way and i'm loyal but either way oh, but beware but ultimately too though i didn't like american history x either because it similarly felt cheap and it's just trying to check boxes to take you on that emotional roller coaster which it does and it succeeds at but like again the doc you made a great point i really didn't feel like it actually connected like i really thought it would and and even more so and i didn't know how to bring this up along the way over the last hour or whatnot but like i feel like it's the the negativity that this movie spews is so much more lopsided and and sticks out way more than the point it's trying to prove and if you can't connect mm -hmm. that and it's not like polished enough to to convey what you're truly trying to say and what's actually coming across as the negativity, I think that's doing more harm than it is good. And so that's ultimately, I'm dumb. Yeah, I think that's why we liked it when we were teenagers too, yeah. just because of the, the. But I, I, Doc, I think that what we need is another version of what this movie did right now. You know, like some one of these great directors great. bring bring something back because this is so relevant. And what it's, it's it would be a true story, you know, if, you know, for, Fargo style. This is based off a true story. If I can kind of build off of something that Beware was running with, that I think is actually a really awesome point. The fact that like I think you're actually right, and I'd be interested to see. Although I'm kind of picking it for what I hope the the it it portrays you might sure. be right in that it kind of actually functioned as propaganda or that it actually functioned as the negativity and that a couple of the scenes were runaways uh, in how, like we talked, like we talked about the curb, you know, without saying curb, we talked about the dinner table scene, but like people like, I think those are the people's favorite scenes for the other reasons, for the wrong reasons. And so I think you're right. Like it, there is something about yeah, that. Shock like, value really, for sure. The point lost got lost in, in the making of this movie nitpick it a little further i have a note where the kid that kills him at the end of the movie earlier when he blows smoke in his face in front of all his friends and borderline embarrasses him three on one solo like a kid that kills somebody a week later over next to nothing basically 
is going to whoop that kid's ass that blew smoke in his face. And he avoids doing it because of the school bell. Are you fucking kidding me? None of that would actually happen. And I think that that's part of my point. It's like, why is he so upset? Why is that wretched that that you've you've basically just played the card of the bad black kid, uh, the the trouble, the trouble, the problematic black kid. But you don't even know why. Like you don't like. Yes, I get the details, but like the story didn't do it. The story did not tell that well enough. You know what I mean? I get the systematic why he would do it, but in the story, you didn't do a good knob, job enough of justifying yeah, that. Yeah, there wasn't there wasn't enough interaction between the two of them to justify no. the ending of the movie. So beware. I mean, is what's your vote though when it comes down to it? Not I, liking I both movies. Vote. I said my oh. vote earlier because of that. Because I don't. I think it's Forrest Gump. Okay, right, right. On. I think it's Forrest Gump because I can casually watch Forrest Gump, enjoy it for the candy that it is, and keep it moving. Uh, Cap. American History X is a is a tough watch for me. Um, I wasn't excited to watch this movie for good reason. <sighs> It's hard for me to get through scenes like the curb scene and the dinner scene that listening to that dialogue is just like, it's just listening to like discharge to, to beware and to Doc's points. Um, I, I do think that it's like overdriving this world in, in a way that like, yeah, the, some of these scenes might be satisfying to people in the wrong ways. I, I, I can see that. It's definitely going to be Forrest Gump. I do like Forrest Gump. I guess it's it's sort of like a nostalgic movie to watch. It's nostalgia I, was exactly what me and Beware were saying last night uh, or a couple of nights ago. Nostalgia. We love nostalgia. It's not a beautiful mm-hmm. thing all the time. It's not. It's kind of can be a trap. But hey, that's why we watch movies sometimes is because of nostalgia. It's definitely part of the greatness. I would imagine. All that being said, you know my votes for for Forrest Gump. I guess because. Uh, you know, American History X is just not not something that I can cast my vote for just because it's so hard to watch. Well, Forrest Gump's going on to another round and we'll have more to talk about it and we'll see how its greatness and cheap shots and if that's what we call it, um, play up against the next Savage movie. Vote. So Savage has voted and Savage oh, is going to look up who Forrest Gump is going to face in the next round while we go to the hat. Hats on. Let's go to that. Let's go to that. Let's go to that. Let's go to that. Excuse me. Let's go to that. Let's go to that. Let's go to that. Savage, before we go to the movies, I have in my hand, I want to know who Forrest Gump faces next round in round two. Yeah, it'll go up against Hell or High Water and then another uplifting movie, Requiem for a Dream. Oh, my Ooh. gosh. That's tough. The winner of those two movies. Um, <laughs> oh. So it could be one of those in my hand right now. Let's go to it. It's right side up, but upside <laughs> down. So just make sure you get that right. It's not always right side up and upside down. It's real small. Okay. I think we can do this. I think we're ready for this. I'm excited. I don't have R.L. Steins, but... I kind of like this and we like these types of matchups. How about next time we come to you on our thread podcast, we bring you menace to society versus yeah. little miss sunshine. I knew you were going to say that. How about we do that? Been waiting for this one. I'm just glad it's not saving private Ryan. Cause I don't need uh back to back Tom Hanks. Um, none of us have mulligans except the doc. We've kind of, I think all been a little giddy about this matchup and it's contrast. It's fucking wheels. Everybody agree it's going to be fun? I, uh, I like that Little Miss Sunshine made this list. No, I think it's it's rightfully so. This uh, is it's a good, strong cast. Good, I think a good matchup. It's different, very different, but I think it's a good matchup. And I think it'll generate some really good conversation. So that's what we'll do next time we see you, folks. A lot of the same themes going on. We've made it through 20 weeks of episodes. And next week, we're going to episode 21. Menace to Society. 21. First Little Miss Sunshine. See you soon, folks. I can't help it. I love you. Forrest, you don't know what love is. I'm not going to debate you, Jerry. Okay. I'm not going to sit here and debate. You're a bald-faced liar. A fucking liar. 
I mean, God forbid they should make a mistake and forget to steal. I will not apologize for what I want. Stop trying to control everything and just let go. I drink it up. Don't bully me. You like Huey Lewis on the news? Okay. Either they don't know, don't show, or don't care about what's going on in the hood. Hold on to your butts. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Our Thread Podcast, bringing our content to you, featuring all it is. Official old buddy. Who has been. Beware. From then on, he was known as Benny the Jet. Rodriguez. The Doc. You're the Doc, Doc. The Cat. If, if, you, if, you, if you already know the answers to your questions, then why ask? Big fuck. And myself, Savage. I'm 6'5", 220, and there's two of them.